Sin fractured everything, but the good news of the gospel is he makes all things new. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, go to plainfieldchristian.com. Enjoy today's podcast. Ryan Sudsbury is now one of our global impact partners. He grew up here and um, now he serves as the director of global church planting for Go Ministries. Several years ago, Go came up with this really crazy vision to plant a ton of churches around the world. And uh, shortly after that, they hired Ryan. And uh, Ryan's a humble guy. You know, he would say he has a great team, but under his leadership, Go has gone from 18 churches to over 140 churches. So yeah, let's clap for that. That's really awesome. Uh, The last several weeks, we've been preaching a sermon series called Heaven Changes Everything. We've talked about how heaven changes our parenting, our marriages, and now Ryan's here today to talk about how heaven changes our work. Uh, I loved his message last hour. I know it's gonna bless you guys today, but before he preaches, I'd like to pray for him. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thanks for all the moms and everything that they do for us. Lord, right now, I'm just thankful that Ryan gets to be here with us. I love his ministry and uh, what he does and just the ways he's blessed me and blessed some of our other partners. Lord, I pray that you speak through him in the next 30 minutes, and I pray that you open our hearts to his message. Thank you so much, Lord. I say this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, uh, yeah, this is my hometown, my home church. Um, I, I preached here. Uh, it would have been in 1997. They didn't invite me back since. <laughs> so you're ready for it? <laughs> no, it's really good to uh, be back here. Um, this is a good church. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for my roots here, the number of people. It was fun after first service, I had all these people coming up that I haven't seen in like 25, 30 years. Uh, and I'm like, there's so many stories. I'm like, I remember when you kicked me out of youth group. I remember you yelled at me for running down the hall, down to room 11. But they made this, it was sloped. I'm like, what are you supposed to do when you're a kid, you know? Um, but on the serious side, there were so many of those people. Like, even one of those people still calls me today and says, when's the last time you dated your wife? So I know the amount of care that you have if you're a part of this church. Don't take that for granted. If you're new here today, I can reassure you, you're in a good place. Um, There are people here uh, who will take care of you and love you well. I was discipled here. I was baptized here. Um, It it is an honor to be able to come back and and be with you all today. Um, I... uh, like Riley said, I've had the opportunity to um, do some pretty neat ministry. Um, I left here in 97, moved to Florida, and I see some of you guys about, what, November, December when y'all show up? Um, and, uh, and so it, uh, it's been good. I did youth ministry for a long time down there, and then that led me into opportunities to plant churches. I just thought churches have been around, um, but someone has to go and start that. Um, and so I got invited into those, some of those conversations to figure out what that looked like to start a new church. And uh, Plainfield, again, was there. I remember um, one of the years we celebrated an anniversary and we got flowers from you. Um, so it's, uh, it's been good and humbling. Uh, from, from there, doing church planning in Florida, it took us over to the UK and conversations there for a little while. Then our family moved and we were helping Scottish people uh, plant Scottish churches uh, over there. And then that moved us into where we've been for our almost six years now. And that's working on the island of Hispaniola through Go Ministries. Uh, so Dominican Republic and Haiti. 
uh, is where I spend the majority of my time. And so, um, and then even recently, uh, through Riley and I were talking, and you all have supported work in uh, Monterey, Mexico for a long time. And uh, so we got connected and ended up bringing uh, that group from Monterey over to spend time with us. And now they're going back. They've started three churches so far this year. So I'm trying to tell you, you are making an impact around the world. And I'm thankful for you. Um, the, uh, the way that we work and in, in how we start churches is through disciple making. Um, and, and we look at, when we make disciples, we go into this community, we're making disciples. We look at that in, in kind of a three uh, lenses. One, we talk about mentoring. So we're studying the word. We help one another go um, through scripture to learn to know who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and to walk with them in that, in that process of coming to know who the Lord is. Uh, also on mission. What is, this is the good news. So what does good news look like contextually? What does it look like in that city or that neighborhood, in your city, in your neighborhood where you live? Um, and then how do we multiply that again? How do we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples? So let me give you some examples and, and show you kind of where I'm working. So the first slide that you'll see, this is Felix. Um, Felix is in a community called Botoncillo. Um, Felix had heard about this community, about this uh, this forgotten place, really. Um, they were separated. Um, anytime it floods, this river comes raging through there. And so when you're in that kind of place, like what are you gonna do to eat? You're cut off from everything. So they would hook these cables and try and get food across the river and take care of each other. But Felix began to go out there and he began to work in that community to develop leaders, to identify people. One of those people he met uh, is named Flores. Flores is a, is a big guy. Um, he's security and a manager at a cigar factory down there, and he's kind of a, a rough guy. And so he is known as the mayor. Now, I don't know if he elected himself mayor <laughs> or if he actually is, but here's what I'd say. He became the person of peace. If you look through the scriptures and, and, and it talks about the person of peace, it's fascinating to me who that person actually is that invites you in. It's not typically who you would think of. And so this is Flores. So Flores invites Felix, and they go and begin to, to make disciples in that community. Uh, uh, Flores is eventually baptized. Uh, he's following Jesus. So now there's a couple of them, and then there's a couple more, and then there's a couple more. And Felix says, hey, I want you to, to come and see where I've been working. And so he brings a crew out there uh, from our church planning team. And he, uh, he gathers the whole community in here. It's a very rural community, a lot of hogs. Um, so they're, they're all gathered uh, there together. And they say, like, it's this crazy moment. He says, these people have come here to tell us about Jesus. The whole place just erupts in applause. For so long, they had been the forgotten ones. They were the isolated ones. No one had come there to share the gospel with them. And so things begin to change. And because of who Go Ministries is, so I, I lead our church planning side of it, but we have medical, we have discipleship through sports, we have community development or betterment. And so community development's starting small businesses, clean water projects, nutrition, like anything that they can identify that would make that neighborhood better. So they go in, they're making disciples, so they're mentoring. They go in, they have to figure out, how, what does it look like to have the good news here? So Felix is meeting, listening to the rhythms and the pulse of the neighborhood, he says, you know what they need? They need a bridge. Because every time the flood comes, the little bridge they have, it just gets washed away again. And so we have a construction crew that went out and they put together, there's a, I could take you, you wanna go with me this week? We can go down there and I can show you the bridge. Where you, they can even ride motorcycles across it now. It's good. And so that creates this interest. Why is it that you're doing what you're doing in that community? 
the reality is that when sin entered the world, it fractured everything. It fractured our relationship with God, with one another, with all of creation, and all of it felt it. And so we can identify. You, you get into a context like I'm often in, like Bolton Seal or El Oyo, which I'll talk to you about in a minute. You get into that context. You can, the, the brokenness is visible, right? Like you can see what poverty does, the lack of clean water and education and all these kind of things exist, and they're, they're very loud, but what happens often in our context, in this context, is we cover those things up. That brokenness is there, but we cover it up with Band-Aids, don't we? We buy a new thing, or we get interested in a new thing, or we try and do things, but it resurfaces every time. And the reality is sin fractured everything, but the good news of the gospel is he makes all things new. See, people around us should have access to clean water, to a safe family. These should just be the way that things are. No matter where you are in your pursuit of following Jesus or understanding who he is, we can all agree on one thing, that things around us aren't as they should be or ought to be. Perhaps this is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray. When he taught them to pray, it's our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's interesting the way that Jesus prayed that, on earth as it is in heaven. You look at heaven, where we're united with God, right? The blood of Jesus makes that possible, that we enter into his grace, and so now we begin to follow and trust him. There's heaven is no tears, no fighting, no anxiety, all things made right and new. And what's Jesus saying? You get to welcome this here and now in the present. Heaven changes everything. Um, let's, let's look at, let's jump into scripture. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 14 through 20. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do that anymore. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And what this means is that we are invited to join God in the reconciling of all things, of making of things new. And through the Holy Spirit, we would see things become the way that they were meant to be. When people come and visit uh, where I serve the most, it is often... They see poverty and it's very complex. Um, one, of the, one of those places in this community is called El Oyo. Um, Oyo de Bartola uh, is, a, is a community that, it's a literal garbage dump. Um, so the city had just thrown their trash away from there. But you have nothing, you look for things that other people don't want anymore. And so people would go in and they would begin to find the things in order to try and survive and create a life for themselves. And so um, inside of this community, um, the kids would have swollen bellies, um, there's a lot of crime, uh, prostitution. The, the, the police don't go there. Like they still, today, 23 years later, they still don't go there. Um, but we do. 
there's a guy um, who is working there. He sees this is the place that I'm going to work. And so he goes into this community and he begins again to what? Make disciples. So he begins to share the gospel. People begin to uh, follow and trust Jesus. And so they begin to figure out what does it look like? What, what does it look like to contextualize the gospel? What is good news here in our midst? How do we share that? And so for them, they identified, well, these people don't have clean water. Let's get clean water. So we have a cistern there. They don't have anything to eat. The kids have swollen bellies. They don't get any food. So now they get one meal uh, that's provided for them a a day. It's a healthy meal that they get. Um, So the kids now have a a place that's safe. They have people who can mentor and love and encourage them there with the church. Uh, Instead of the ladies having to sell themselves, we've helped them um, to develop a trade until they're able to create products. We have sewing machines that went in there. And so now they can sell products so they don't have to sell themselves. So what good news looks like is a family who said, this is where I'm going to work. This is where I'm going to spend my time. This is what God's created and given me the opportunity to join in on the reconciliation of all things. Last one I'll show you. This is Sandy. Um, Sandy is a plumber by trade. I saw the first service. My mustache is pretty sweet. My wife hated it, but that's, <laughs> it's pretty good back then. This is a little COVID mustache going on. Um, and so this, the last, uh, the last uh, we do a, a discovery assessment, help people navigate if they want to become a church planner. We help them do that. And we sit with them and walk through and help them figure that out. And um, the, one of the last ones we had was in uh, March before everything shut down. We, we had it. I was on one of the last flights back to the States. And then we couldn't see each other for a little bit. Um, and so I'd gotten back down there in November and some of our crew, uh, our, our staff, we were walking through and, and trying to figure out who do we need to go and spend some time with and encourage? And so this last group of church planners were like, hey, go plant a church. And then the world says, and everything's shut down. So, you know, hey, Sandy, how's it going? And we, we fully expected for things to not be going that well. And so we get there to encourage Sandy, pray with them, listen to them, hear what's going on. And Sandy's like, hey, yeah, why don't you meet me over where we're gathering for a church? And so they've rented this little space and they've got 40 or 50 people that pack into this little room. And, and he said, shares all the things that are going on and like Sandy this is awesome man like it's so good like God is so gracious in this stuff isn't he and we're all you know super excited and kind of wrapping up and he goes well did you guys want to see the other two churches that we planted (laughs) like what are you talking about for real yes like of course isn't that just what we do right I mean he was under the assumption that oh how are we confused here this is what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be going out making disciples of all nations and so he actually took that literally and is continuing to plant churches. And so we go over to one lady's house that she had opened up her home and there's a church that's gathered there. And it was just incredible. But see, what Sandy has done, what Felix has done, what Javier has done, their families have done, is there was something that shifted in their mind. See, one of the things that we do is we categorize things. We silo things, right? So it's family, activities, work, church. But what they have done is they have said, it's all about Jesus. Like he has to come into our families. He has to come into our workplaces. He has to come into our activities. It's all about him. And so there was a shift in their minds that began to see, I want to see all things made new. I want to join God in this reconciliation of all things. I want to see heaven here on earth. And so they're joining in that, participating in that. One of the ways that we could maybe say it is, to see Jesus as, his, as Savior, to accept his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness is to go down into the waters of baptism, 
To see him as Lord is to come up out of that watery grave and recognize and surrender that everything is his, all of it. God, it's yours. I want to live for you. So everything that I have and am, I want it to be to further your glory. We often want to see things as ours, but as a son or daughter of the king, it's got to become his. God, they're your children. God, it's your home. God, it's your car. God, this is your time. The staff that I lead, they're your creation. My wife, she's your daughter. My husband is your son. It is your money. Whatever that thing is, it's got to become his. And then when it is, like when I see my wife as a daughter of the king, I'm gonna treat her with more kindness and respect, right? It's this natural thing. When we see that the vehicle isn't ours, but it's his, it's a tool to be used and we can use it for ministry, who else needs to use this car? Whatever that thing is, those are just examples, but whatever those things are, we have to shift our mind to begin to see that change. This morning, we're looking at how heaven changes our work. And so let's first start in our homes because some of you guys, that's your work. You're, you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, and that's your job. This is significant, life-changing work. I thought I'd get an amen or something from somebody with that. Because <laughs> it doesn't always feel that way, does it? But it is. If you didn't listen to the um, message that uh, Eric preached uh, a little bit ago talking about family, so I won't dive too deep into that. He did a really good job. You should go back and take a listen, but I know how important it is and to, to raise a family and, and to um, serve and care well, and, and I call them first disciples. Like These are your first disciples, the closest, the ones that are most close to you in proximity. Um, this last week, I was at leadership meetings in Louisville, and um, during that time, I ha- there's quite a few staff that are just starting off um, as parents, uh, or, or they've got little kids, and so I always look at any opportunity to try and encourage or whatever, and uh, so one of the other guys that I work on staff with, his name's Dave, and his kids are already grown and out on their own, and I said, Dave, what, um, if, you, if you had something to encourage them with, like, what's one thing you would do different? He's like, whew. He said, I think the if I had to go back and do it over again, I look back and I realize that how I viewed the church was just kind of a thing out there. I was a little bit cynical toward it. I was this, I was this, I was this. I was like, ooh, that's, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. He said, well, because now I look at my children and they have the exact same view. It's like, mm, okay. So I thought I was gonna lie there, but he turns it on me. And he says, what about you? <laughs> Are you gonna put me out there? What, do, what about you? And I was like, oh. I wouldn't raise my voice. And I shared that, and it was just kind of, that was my, that was it. Like, I wouldn't raise my voice. I, I don't want to be that dad. Um, and so the next day we come in, and, and we're supposed to be getting together in the board, boardroom there and talk through stuff, and one of the people said, hey, I just, before we start, like, that was really impactful last night that we were talking, and um, I realized that or I, I felt this kind of conviction and I, and I talked to my wife about it and I said, man, I was really convicted. Like, I, I raised my voice too much. And she's like, well, not only that, but I don't know if you realize this, but you also clench your fists when you raise your voice. It's like, whew. See, our home, if we're gonna bring heaven on earth, if we're gonna bring heaven into our home, we need to be loved. We need to feel safe. Those are the two things that we need to cultivate within our homes if we want to see heaven change our homes. Uh, the, the second um, is within the marketplace. Those of you guys who have to leave for work, I don't know, maybe you're still at home because of the situation in the world, but 
you, you are in the marketplace. So what does it look like for heaven to shape your work place? And some of you guys, when I say that, I'm like, oh man, what are we get? I'm gonna call Luke, we have a church service in there. Like, I don't know, like, how do we, how do, we do that? And so we kind of get like a little white knuckle, like, what is that supposed to look like? And maybe our response is, we could start a Bible study, we could pray, absolutely. I mean, those would be wonderful things that you could do uh, within there. But you could also shift the culture in your organization to reflect kingdom values, right? Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, Galatians 5. We begin to reflect some kingdom values within our workplace and environment. So how do we shift this? Uh, I wanna jump, um, let's look at, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, Colossians 4, two through six. I think this might be helpful here of how we begin to share the gospel in our, our workplace. Uh, starting in verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I think, I've always read this as kind of one chunk of how to share the gospel, but I, I really, if I'm looking at this, I think there's two things that are happening here. There's a way of proclaiming. So that's identified first. So th- th- we know, in fact, that there is a gift of the Spirit that we have. So Ephesians 4 God gives the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher to the church to build up the body. Okay, so we, we understand that. So the evangelist is something that is, is a gift that you receive. And so some of you guys, if you, you are the evangelist and some of you guys know who that person is, here's how we can kind of identify. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, it, well, what it is, someone has always got to talk about Jesus. It doesn't matter. If we start talking about this carpet, they're like, yep, because of Jesus. Like, do you know that person? Like everything points to that person. Uh, I've got a friend named Dana. Dana, it's no matter where we go, she's always talking to somebody about Jesus. She's always gonna figure out a way to bring Jesus into that conversation. How are you, Dana? It's good, I was at Walmart. Um, you know, I was driving around and you know what? There's a parking space right at the front. And she always does this point. You know, you know. <laughs> Everything's, it doesn't matter. And some of you guys, so if I said, hey, we're gonna leave the service today. We're all gonna go through all the neighborhoods around here. We're gonna knock on doors. We're gonna tell people about Jesus. How many of you guys would just like, I'm out. Like you cringe at something like that. So you said, that's how you kind of identify that person. Is some of you guys are wired that way. You're like, let's go. I'll round them up. And so Paul is identifying here that there's probably two different things. He's asking for prayer. Like pray for us that we would boldly proclaim. There are people who are really good at boldly proclaiming, announcing the reign and rule of God. You, you can do that in public spaces. You can do that in private environments. You're really wired that way. But see, our default is to say that's for them and not for me. But Paul continues in that. In the second part of this paragraph, we see that yes, there's a gifted evangelist, but also there's a way of living that is evangelistic. It's a way of life to know how to answer everyone. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So Paul says, know how to answer. Peter says, be prepared to give an answer. What are both Paul and Peter implying? That you are living a life worth questioning. People want to know why. 
See, no one is going to ask you questions if you're living just like everyone else. If you spend money the same way that everyone else does, if you parent the way that everyone else parents, if you treat your spouse like everyone else treats their spouse, if you vacation like everyone else, I mean, just roll that thing out. If you do everything just like everybody else, no one cares. No one's interested in the hope that you have. No one's asking you those kind of questions. But if you go out on girls weekend and you don't end up being the one bashing their husband, you're not talking to your buddies and bad mouth and your wife. If you care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, if you create a safe space for your the kids in your neighborhood to be and play in your yard, in your driveway. That's curious. Why would you do that? And then we're able to give a reason for the hope that we have. We can talk and share about Jesus. People want to know why. Why do you care for your employees when other businesses don't? Why are you not bad-mouthing your boss or people around you that you work with daily? Why do you pray with your children when they get up, when they go to bed, when you eat? You drop them off at school. Why? Why do you do the things that you do? Why would you do that? This is interesting. When you act differently in the workplace, I promise you, people are going to notice. Um, really, I think what it comes down to is cre- uh, intentionally creating space to listen. One of the things that we often do is just run at stuff, right? But if we create a a space where we are there and available for people to be able to have conversations with, that's awesome. It changes the game. I um, when I planted a church, it's 2007, so the economy was doing this, and I'm out asking churches for support, and uh, they're like, "We're actually laying off staff." I'm like, "Good timing, Jesus. Are you sure about this?" Um, And I was probably terrible at fundraising anyway, um, because it didn't go super well. Um, But uh, I ended up working several jobs to make ends meet when we planted that church. I feel like this is what God has for us. This is the community that we're going to work and serve in. And uh, so I was, multiple jobs. One of them, I was working retail overnights. And uh, it was a, it was a smaller, smaller staff and I was the newest one. So everybody wants to know what you do and who you are and whatever. And so you begin to share about your life and Whatever, and, and so um, I don't know if I was just, um, you know, I, I blew some of their stereotypes as a Christian. And um, I don't know if was, maybe it was weird, they wanted to know why, I don't know, <laughs> different, I don't know what that thing was, but they wanted to, they started asking questions, and it was awesome. I mean, I, I got to baptize one of the couples, got to do premarital counseling with one of the couples. Um, there's a, a guy who was who a very, like, he was an atheist and was like trying to wrestle me on everything, and I'm, I didn't wrestle him. So he's like, wait, no, we're supposed to fight on stuff. Like, no, I'm, I'm interested in your, your thoughts. I'm happy to sit with you and listen. And that began to change. And so people began to be curious, why? Why would you act this way? Why do you hopefully reflect some of those kingdom values in this workplace, workplace and space? Uh, I have a friend who is a um, CEO at a, at a large company. And um, when uh, he had some meeting that was gonna be in Tampa, he said, hey, would you be willing to drive over and, uh, and work, with our, work with our staff, come be a part of our, some of our meetings and you know, kind of share what it is that you do and all this kind of stuff? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's a great guy. Um, happy to do that. He's created a, a really neat um, environment and culture within that as a follower of Christ within his company. And so I'm driving down there and I, and I had this moment where I was like, wait, I haven't 
I went to Bible college. I've had math since 1989 trigonometry at Plainfield High School. <laughs> what do I have to offer this room? A bunch of you know, high-level executives, and here I am. Hi, I'm a missionary. <laughs> Good to meet you. And so I come walking in the room, we sit down, and the culture is created. Man, everyone was so friendly and kind, and they would listen to each other. It was, it was, I've been in a lot of boardrooms. I've been in workplace boardrooms. They get a little nutty. This is totally different. And, and so I began to, to share with them what I did, and they, he had me speaking to some things, ask questions about things, and um, it, was, it, was, it was neat. But the neatest thing was, I get done sharing, and he says, hey, I just want you guys to know, if any of you would be interested in going to the Dominican and serving with Ryan, we'll pay for it. What company does that? You got bottom lines to meet, man. Who does that? Because for him, he began to see this workspace, this place, it's his. The only reason why I have a job is because he gave it to me. The reason I'm able to have influence is because he has given me that influence. So what are you doing with that influence that God's given you? How do you begin to shape and shift culture within the places that you are in, whether it's your home or whether it's your workplace. You see, for my friend, heaven changed his work. There was a, uh, I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up here. There, there was this, I, I think really what it comes down to is that we often, with this categorizing of things, we try and, and fuzzy things up a lot instead of just realizing that love isn't a strategy. It's not something you're gonna read in a book and just, do it. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we begin to love well and lead well within our homes, within our neighborhoods, within our workplace. People want to know why. Why do you live this way? And then you're able to give a reason for your hope. So church, may you come to know Jesus as both Lord and Savior today. May your place of work, home, marketplace, school, be different because of the way that you live and trust and follow Jesus. And may you live a life worthy of questions. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your love, your hope, the peace that we can have in you. Lord, there are ways that, that we know that we have messed up anyone in here is feeling that, will you just let that freedom of that guilt. We don't live in the past. We're not people of the past. We live and trust and follow you here and now. So God, would you help us to move forward? Give us a new step, fresh breath. May we come to see Plainfield be different. Will you come to see the city of Indianapolis different? Start something new here, Lord, as we join you in reconciling all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.